You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back, Arizona, or should I say come on out to Dale Creek Equestrian Village on Camelback Road, just west of Dysart, north side of the road. You'll see White Picket Fence, a 45-acre equestrian village, where is the site of mesquite harvesting today. Jennifer's on site in the Sanderson Ford Transit vehicle, live with urban farmer Greg Peterson. What have y'all got going on? Well, oh it, is, it is all going on. You have to really drive back. You know, yep. it's a big piece of property. Keep on coming, and you'll see the cars. Um, I'm with Greg Peterson and Peggy Sorensen, and we're huddled in the shade of the transit, and we're watching the harvesting get started. They're getting the beginning of their um, instructions on how to harvest. So we're, since you not everybody can be here, we thought it would be fun to come out with you, Greg, and let you tell everybody how to harvest Harvest mesquite, mesquite beans. Well, first of all, did you all know that mesquite beans are edible? I did. Yeah, a lot of people don't, and there are literally tons of them every year that just fall on the street and fall away, and we just look right past it. It's food hanging right in our own yards. Hanging being the key word there. Hanging is the key word, definitely. So harvesting mesquite beans is a simple process. Uh, We start by tasting a bean. You know, walk up to a tree. First of all, decipher that it is indeed a bean, or a mesquite, and then grab one of the dried beans and, you know, start nibbling on the end of it. Well, we have Peggy Sorensen here with us today, and she's, Peggy, you're kind of everything edible outdoors. You teach classes around the valley on edible plants. You talk about all kinds of things that we'll get to later, but as right. it pertains to mesquite, you know what the first thing Peggy did this morning? She came and started nibbling all the, oh, this yeah. is a good tree. This yeah. is a good right. tree. That's right. So. They are good beans t- today. So oh, yeah. we have a lot of good trees to harvest from. And, Greg, I was concerned this morning because my beans at home on the east side are Mm -hmm. all green. I thought, oh, no, what are we going to do? But you told me this morning they don't all mature at the same time. We have a window. Right. They they mature over three months? Over through the summer, but we harvest only in June before the monsoon while it's dry. Yeah, so there's a very specific reason that we want to harvest our beans while it's dry. There's uh, something called aflatoxin uh, that lives when it's moist outside. And so we want to get the beans harvested off of the mesquite trees before the monsoons arrive. Well, I have to say a couple years ago, man, I was ready. My tree was loaded. They were perfect, crunchy. And then what happened? The Mm -hmm. wind came, blew them off, and they got rained on. Yeah. And exactly. you really, really can't eat them. People should not be tempted. You should not be eating those then. Exactly. So harvesting directly off of the tree after you, you know, try one of the beans to make sure it tastes good. Because some beans, you'll walk up to a tree, especially the non-native, the Chilean mesquites. Mm-hmm. You'll nibble on a bean and your face kind of contorts. Exactly like that, Jennifer. <laughs> exactly like it's that. It's radio, thank goodness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you want to make sure that they taste good. Once you've determined that, you harvest off of the tree only. You can put a sheet up above and knock them off. But what I've found is that the early beans, the early beans um, have a tendency to hold on until they're really, really dry, which is after the monsoons come. So we're actually harvesting off of the tree is the best. So this, these trees we're looking at right now, we, we got out early and got our half a bucket. I got to exactly. go back and finish. Um, but how, how there's a variety of stages of of maturing on an individual tree, which ones can you use for? Exactly. You can chew the the moist ones that are ripe right away. They're really a, 
almost like a candy bar. People don't realize how sweet mesquite beans are. And not every tree is as sweet as, you know, all, they're not all exactly the same, but they're quite good to just snack on. And I, so I separate the moist ones from the dry ones or the ones that are more dry. Those need to be dried further for the milling and for storage. But the moist ones, I just, uh, I snack on them. So when you're saying moist, they're still brown, you know, they're mm-hmm. tan, they're not the green ones. Right. But they're kind of in between, They've all the green's gone, but they're still kind of soft. They have a little give to them. Yes, they have some chewiness and you're eating the, the pulp. And and then discarding the bean, you don't actually eat the bean. It's yeah. the pulp that surrounds the bean. Right. Well, and the bean itself will crack your tooth. It's that hard. When we do, going back to the milling, when we actually do the milling, um, the beans get uh, ground up in the mills, and they add some extra protein to the to the mix as well. well actually, forty percent protein, which is twice the protein as any other legume. They are really healthy for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And right the, here in our backyard, and we just let them go to waste. Right. Most of the time, that's the case. And they're low glycemic. Um, you know, it, they call it flour, but it's you can't replace traditional flour, uh, you know, wheat like, flour Like cup completely. for cup. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, there's no gluten. Mm-hmm. So. I have made biscuits and just maybe done a quarter of a cup of the mesquite, and it has that wonderful kind of nutty flavor. Yeah. What is your favorite thing to do with the flour? Well, I make a mesquite nectar out of the out of the pods, but I also have this little uh, treat that I make with uh, like a nut or a seed butter, like one cup of butter, one cup of mesquite flour, and just mix it, it together. Mm-hmm. You can add a little vanilla or cinnamon. <laughs> oh, Greg's getting awfully excited. Well, <laughs> Anything with that some. much butter in you it has got to be good. That's what Rosie would say. <laughs> and I'm thinking too, Peggy, maybe I can get those recipes for you and I'll sure. throw them up on our Facebook and on our website. Okay. Yeah, it's just, just throw something together, something quick and easy, and don't worry about waiting to get a cookbook. It's nice to have a cookbook, but um, you can... Use it Just in so many it. ways. Yeah. So I am so excited, sir, that you have a hammer mill. We do have a hammer mill. I am ex- so excited. The only excited one in the too. state was in Tucson up until just recently. Until recently. Um, so a hammer mill is a big piece of equipment. It's about the si- almost the size of your van. Okay. Uh, it sits on a trailer. Uh, and the reason you need such a big piece of equipment for mesquite beans is because the bean itself is so hard. And if you try and mill them in, in like your. Vitamix or something like that, you destroy your Vitamix. I have tried. I have done so. <laughs> exactly. So, you you know, you need to really get a heavy-duty piece of equipment. So uh, we found a used one almost a year ago, and we've uh, spent the last couple of months refurbishing it so that Phoenix now has a public mesquite mill, and we'll be doing a public mesquite milling next Friday and Saturday. I think that's the 28th and 29th or mm-hmm. whatever Friday and Saturday is at our fruit tree warehouse where we do the fruit tree program. And people can sign up for that because I did. Oh, uh, yes. The urbanfarm.com? Uh, dot, dot, urbanfarm.org. Dot org. Yep. Uh, the, our full schedule of mesquite uh, events is at growphx.com. Okay. That's good. the company that owns the mill. You're not hard to find. People can sign up. They can bring. So today we're all harvesting, mm-hmm. and you're going to teach us how to get ready between this week and next week next to week. bring them to you. Exactly. Exactly. So the thing to do, once you get your beans harvested, uh, it's actually quite simple. You want to basically bake them. 
often I'll leave them in the front seat of my truck <laughs> in, in the heat, right? Do you spread them out or you just leave them in the bucket? Or what? Uh, in, the, in the truck, I just leave them in the bucket. Okay. Uh, I also use my dehydrator. Okay. You can put them in the oven, but they need to be really, really dry. So the moisture does two things. It brings on aflatoxin and it also brings on uh, a, a gooey bean. Mesquite flour is really, really sticky. So it has to be really dry when we mill it. Otherwise, it gums up the mill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the high sugar content. Yeah. Makes it very... That's why you can't put it through a regular grain mill. It will clog it right up. Well, I think the Native Americans must have known about that. Because have you seen the pictures of the of, in the old days? They would harvest them and they would put them like in a bed of coals in the ground and just yes. kind of All right. push them back and forth and they were drying them. Yeah, so exactly. We right. can stick them in our oven overnight, maybe like 250 overnight. Is that Well, I don't do know that I do it overnight. Is that too overnight. hot? I, oh, okay. Well, you can do it really slow at 200 for maybe an hour or two, but keep an eye on it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't uh, walk away from it. Or if you do it at a higher temperature like I do, because I process a lot at one time, uh, maybe 15 to 30 minutes. At what temperature? If you're maybe 320. Okay. So you can get it done in a hurry. I like that. Right. (laughs) I also use, I have a, a big industrial dehydrator. Of course you do. And <laughs> of course I do. And so I use that as well. And I'll stick them in there overnight. Okay. And the dehydrator at like 180 or something like that. And it just, it just super dries them. So that when you bring them to us, uh, they're super dry. They need to snap. There needs to be a good definitive snap when you break them in half. And, um, and I think it's important to point out that people don't have to break them open and get the, you do the whole thing. You, you just do the throw the whole, whole thing in there. Exactly. That's you right. do the whole pot. In fact, you can't ma- manually separate the bean from the pod but that's probably a lot of the good goodies are in that hull right all the, right. the vitamins and the goodness right yeah, exactly but yeah the hammer mill does all the work does it matter what kind of mesquite tree as long as it's a mesquite native. i know there's a couple, native native mesquite yeah how do i know a native mesquite? oh Can that's a good they question have thorns. so the, the, the oh the thorny ones of course the thorny ones yeah but the really the easiest way is to tar- try a bean Okay. Oh, really, just t- you're just looking for the flavor. You're it's, looking for yeah, the okay. flavor. And it's if, best on a native. Yep. Yeah. The, right. the, the non-native often leave um, a, a bad aftertaste. It might leave a little burning in the throat. Okay, I've tasted one of those. Yeah. And then you also should be watching your feet when you're harvesting because they're snakies on the ground. Oh, Not, yeah. And if you've got a mesquite tree that's grown naturally and it's over like a bush, mm-hmm. it's a good hiding place for all kinds of little critters. Oh, yeah, so that's just, true. you know, take a little stick and, and reach in there and mm-hmm. just holler a couple of times and coming in. So. <laughs> you know how else you can tell they're ready? Tell me. Watch your horse. Oh, that's so oh, true. Yes, My horses course. dive in. Oh, they love them. They will stand there and watch that bush and won't touch it and won't touch it and won't touch it. <laughs> you know it's ripe. They're on it. Yeah. Dogs like them, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the animals will eat them. That should tell you something. We just need to take a clue from them. That's Jennifer's on site at the Dale Creek Equestrian Center. It is open to the public. You can show up, get a bucket of, uh, or bring a bucket, bring a hat, bring your Cool Rush uh, towel, and go collect a bucket, a five-gallon. Is there a limit on how many beans I can pick? (laughs) <laughs> Until it gets dark. No, how, yeah. how, actually, how long are they keeping the ranch open? Just a couple hours. Okay, a couple hours. If you're here by 10? Yeah, probably call it 9. 9. It's getting warm pretty quick, yeah. so you want to get out here and get her done. Get them gathered, and then we can bring them to the urban farm next week, get it milled up, and have flour, uh, mesquite flour right here locally grown. More uh, with Greg Farmer Greg 
at Dale Creek Equestrian Center after this. On a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, if you'd like to join the conversation, you can call one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Text questions to 411923 or emails info at rosieonthehouse.com. It is the Outdoor Living Hour. We've got Farmer Greg. If you're looking at your home maintenance calendar, you're seeing gray water, rainwater. It was supposed to be on this week. Yes, it was. Now, we put the calendars together a year in advance, and sometimes things change, like this great opportunity to be on site for mesquite bean harvesting. And Farmer Greg has a mesquite mill. Next week, there'll be everything that's picked today will be ground up at the mill next week. But we've also got a fifth week here in June. So next week, we'll have Farmer Greg back as well. We'll have a follow-up to the amount of flour that they produce as long as as well as talking about gray water, rainwater uh, for your urban farm. But uh, I'm looking at my talking points here, and you've got eat mesquite. <laughs> eat mesquite and more, yeah. Hey, so we're out here at Dale Creek Equestrian Center at 135th Avenue in Camelback. And we have about, oh, I don't know, there's about 40 people out here harvesting mesquite beans. Greg's like the rock star out here when we they're all like, oh, Mr. Greg, tell us what to do next. <laughs> they're all, in, they're you all know, Here's a bucket. You. Get a bean. Yeah. <laughs> there you Fill go. The bring five pounds. <laughs> bring or bring. Yeah, get a five-gallon bucket. So I just wanted to cover the milling process really quickly. Uh, there's some really important things that we have to know. First of all, you want to taste the bean. We talked about that last segment. Make sure you taste the bean. Uh, then harvest off of the tree only. Uh, I, we highly suggest that you harvest a five-gallon bucket, uh, about a five-gallon bucket. That's going to give you a nice supply of of flour for the year. Um, then you want to take it home and dry it out. Make sure that the beans are super, super, super dry. And then you're going to bring them down to us next weekend, uh, next Friday and Saturday at the uh, fruit tree warehouse where we do our fruit tree program every year where the mill is at. And that's and not the same as the urban farm, though. That is not the same as the urban farm. I can't do everything that, that I would love to do at my third acre in north central Phoenix. Yeah, Romy, Rosie said, I don't know how he's going do all that at the farm. So it's not at the <laughs> yeah, farm. It's not at the farm. Uh, I would add that uh, you sort the, the pods and remove any leaves or stems. Yep. And any questionable pods that might you may have a question, set them aside. Or um, you also want to remove or set aside any really moist or bendy pods. Make sure that they are very dry and now, give, them, give them the snap test. You know, some of them have those little holes bored in them. Does that bother you at all? No, not at all. No. Okay. So those little holes are uh, bugs that I are boring their, boring their way out. They've come out. They've, oh, come, they've out. come out. Exactly. Yes, they're brucid beetles. Oh, so if they get milled in, then there's a little more protein. There's a little bit more protein, exactly. <laughs> they're very tiny. Okay. <laughs> I, now, exactly. and you so, keep saying the pods. I'm not cracking this mesquite bean open. The mill no. crushes both the bean and the... The bean pod shell, exactly. We mill the whole, the whole banana. And the reason, only reason you would crack it is to suck out the the flavor, just to kind of taste exactly. it and see, exactly. chew it around a little bit, make sure it's not bitter. Right. right. Make sure it's more on the sweet side. Exactly. Now, you said you want so, them really dry. Do I need to throw these in direct sunlight? Do I spread these out inside? 
I keep them in my big solar oven called a car. Yeah. <laughs> with the windows rolled up. It dries them out real well. That'll do it. Or yeah. I, and uh, as, as is the last segment we do uh, in the dehydrator. Mm-hmm. So, or the oven. Or the oven, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we actually have, if you go to growphx.com, uh, on the calendar page, there's a, uh, Peggy did a couple of weeks ago, Peggy did a nice webinar on mesquite beans. And so you'll get an hour on harvesting mesquite beans. Is that, that's on the Grow Phoenix. That's on the growphx.com yeah. calendar page. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when you bring your beans down to us next Friday and Saturday, there's going to be a process we're going to go through. Okay. Uh, if the, if your beans are not dry or they appear like they've been picked up off of the ground, we will reject them. This is a public community mill that we're doing. So anything that's bad that goes in the mill, we all get. So we want to make sure that we're going to be uh, sorting all of that stuff out. So if you bring beans in, they're not dried completely. They have black on them. Uh, they look like they've been harvested off the ground. We will reject them. We will not mill them. So it's not bean for bean. You don't take my five pounds and do that. You, it, that all goes in and then everybody gets... Exactly. Got it. We well, do that's five, a, that's we do really five good... gallons at a time. Exactly. No wonder you're so picky about but it. But everyone yeah. gets back what they put in. Mm-hmm. Right. Their own beans. Oh, you do? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So if you bring a five-gallon bucket, mm-hmm. we're going to put your name on the five-gallon bucket and put it in the mill and mill it, and then you're going to pick it up. Okay. You're going to get that exact Do, do I get flower. it that morning? Do, do I get it right back? Well, or? good question. Be patient with us. We've okay. never done this before, so we're figuring it out. I've well, got some good coaches down in Tucson teaching us how to do this. But and part of that's going to be turnout. Yeah, and part of it's going to be turnout. And based on this morning, there's a lot of people who are very interested exactly. in doing this. Exactly. So then the other thing is is that this is a $12,000 mill. Uh, we, have re- we have raised about half of the funds for it. Um, the other half is on one of my credit cards. <laughs> it's a 0% credit card, but it is on one of my credit cards. and it, So we'll need to get that paid off in the next year. Uh, so we do charge for milling. How much is it? It's f- Basically, it's $5 a pound of uh, of when the you're flour? done of the flour, okay. so if you bring us a nice bucket and it's uh, uh, and you get four pounds of flour out of that bucket, it's going to cost you twenty dollars, and that goes to uh, supporting the mill and you know supporting this really. Well, I think cool it's very fair asset. to have something organic, locally grown. And you can say, it's just so unique, man. You can wow your friends. Exactly. And uh, the other thing is, is that when we, we bought a used one, mm-hmm. and when we refurbed it, we made it totally food grade. So we'll talk about that right. after the segment. Don't get your windows replaced until you get an education and a quote from the experts at Pella Windows. Pella's two locations in Scottsdale and Tucson. Find them at rosieonthehouse.com under Certified Partners. Take the time to think through the right door and window. A beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. Jennifer's on site in the Rosie on the House Sanderson Ford Transit Vehicle at the Dale Creek Equestrian Center with Farmer Greg doing some mesquite bean harvesting. And introduced- this is just a little gym in the desert, Romy. You <laughs> Isn't came out it? Yesterday and took a look, didn't you? I did. Well, yeah, it was this week, and it's funny. I have been up Litchfield many times. I've been up Dysart many times. I don't think I'd ever been on Camelback between those two because uh, I know I had never seen that before. They got all kinds of things going. They have yeah. horse. Uh, it's equestrian centers. They have horseback riding and lessons, and then they have all these. Well, didn't you say, Roman, they have a little track for this for the little horse and carts? Yep. They do. The Arizona Driving and Carriage Society has a lot of their competitions on on that property. Well, just just a little kind of 
Plus Step back in the ba- in the past, kind of. It's exactly. just really fun. Plus, it's an organic farm. I, yes, I saw this little sign at the road. They have veggies and eggs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. And that was an important thing when you were talking about going out and harvesting mesquite beans. Now, there's not a lot of people that I think spray mesquite trees, but that's one nice thing about the Dale Creek is there are no spray properties, so you don't have to worry about any pesticides being in these beans that you're picking on that location. Exactly. Very organic, very healthy. Yeah. You wanted to say a few more things about the mill. Oh, yeah, so it is a public mill. I'll just reiterate, it is a public mill. When you bring your beans down, uh, you know, if you bring a five-gallon bucket, you're going to get about four pounds-ish. Uh, and um, as I mentioned earlier, that uh, the we do f- there's a fee for that that goes to pay for the mill. Uh, we're really trying to make this a public event as much as possible. So, And you bought that thing and refurbished it. And we bought it, and it was very used. You are <laughs> so paid, handy. We paid for. Uh, I just brought some people together. Oh, okay. <laughs> we paid four thousand dollars for a used uh, mill, and it was very used. Once we started looking into it, it needed a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Not surprising. Um, but so, you got it going. But we got it going, and then we purchased stainless steel uh, parts for it, so that it's true food grade. Well, that is just great. So tell them one more time where they can come and do that next week. That's uh, at our. Uh, uh, location where we do the fruit tree program near 7th Street in Highland. Uh, if you go to growphx.com, uh, it's on our calendar there. Okay, so I just want people to, to be ready for next weekend because you got to leave yourself time to go find your, find your, your beans. beans and then you got to bring them home and, and sort dr- them and dry them yep. and be ready to come back because you're not just going to take any old beans. We're not going to take any old beans. And we, you know, we only the best beans that come in um, we'll be taking. If there's any problems, like I said earlier, we're going to reject them. Because uh, it is a public mill. Okay. So Peggy and I were having a conversation about you know just harvesting out of the desert. You can do mesquite beans. You can do. We'll talk some more maybe about prickly pear and saguaro, some of the fleshy fruits you can get. Yes. But you know, where do you dare go get these things? I mean, if you're going to BLM land, if you're using for personal use, you can harvest. Yes, you can. Uh, for personal use, uh, maybe a bucket or two. I'd like to harvest close to home. I like to find what is local because, you know, there's so much food just in our own neighborhood yeah. that we need to utilize that. It's not way out in the desert. It's right here. And then the timing's not as hard. You're taking your morning walk and go, oh, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, you knock on the door, say, hey, can I come by tomorrow? And there are neighbors who want their pods you know, they don't want their pods falling to the ground and having to rake them up or they don't want their prickly pear all over the ground. So they're happy to have people come and harvest their food. The last few times I've harvested prickly pears, mm-hmm. uh, I just, you know, you keep your eyes peeled around town and see what's, you know, what's growing near you. Yeah. Do you knock on the door or what do you do? Absolutely knock on the door. You, yeah. Anytime you want you want to harvest something off of a piece of private property, you definitely want to knock on the door and ask. And I've had, I had a guy tell me no once. It's like, oh, all right, cool. Okay. He never did anything with them, but he did tell but me. Not no. for you. <laughs> but exactly. Not for me. Wait, Get off a- my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> We used to have a whole front yard full of prickly pears, and we'd have people knock on the, on the door. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about prickly pear a little bit. Peggy, do you like harvesting the prickly pear? And, I and do. introduce Peggy again for all of our oh, listeners. Peggy, I'm sorry. Peggy Sorensen. She's um educator in all things outdoor um, edible. Edible and medicinal plants that grow around the desert. You even do one on edible weeds, I, I, I do. Yeah, That's it, my favorite. Oh, serious? Because everyone has weeds that pop up in their yard. Uh-huh. They want to know what they are, and many of them are edible. So why not utilize that instead of just um, 
throwing them away. Well, the really cool thing about weeds, mm -hmm. they're pioneer species. They show up first, mm -hmm. they thrive, and they're doing a lot of mining of nutrients out of the soil. So often the, the weeds are more nutrient dense than other plants. Aren't we funny? Sometimes we're our own worst enemy, aren't we? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, and you, people can find you like at the library. You might give a class. You, you just have to kind of, and do you have a website or anything? Well, I have a Facebook group. Okay. The Desert Kitchen. Okay. And I post my classes there. And I post classes that are all over the valley, uh, no matter who does them. I like to promote oh. everyone. Oh, so that's a good place to go if you're just interested in the topic. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. you, did a, you did a class for us recently yes. at Grow PHX. She also did one for Trees Matter. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a non local nonprofit that's planting fruit tre or uh, that's planting not fruit trees, native trees for shade here uh, in the valley. So. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that. I think I get their newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. They're very active as well. Yeah, exactly. And getting shade planted. Yes. So the other really cool thing to harvest this time of year, in fact, like, like right now, right now. Uh, and it, it's much more of a challenge, is the saguaro fruit. It is a challenge. How do you do that? I've seen pictures of Indians like with a great big stick. You just reach up there and knock I them around. I have found that if you can find a, um, just a, a long stick mm -hmm. and maybe tie some together and a little, little cross stick mm -hmm. on it and knock a few off and the fruit is very red isn't it when when you get when it, it opens up yeah right the, yeah. yeah right when it opens because mm -hmm. you can tell when the birds have gotten to it, it's all beautiful and red on the top well, right. it, it is uh, hands down my most favorite desert edible i've never had one yeah oh, it, it, it will it, and part of the reason you haven't had one is that you know you maybe get a half ounce out of each flower of fruit and you know, it it goes really quickly, and it's twenty feet up, so and you I, have to figure out how to get it down. So you got to have a long pole. The the time I harvested them, uh, we had a long pole. It was a uh, you know about an eighteen foot pole, and we wa somebody walked around with the pole and knocked the flowers, knocked the fruit off the top, and somebody was at the bottom. Me, I was at the bottom catching it. It's you know. They have stickers it, like a prickly pear. Or, yeah. yeah. Oh no 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 no, no, no stickers. Mm -mm. And what about um. And again, you probably wouldn't want to eat it off the ground. You'd want it to get it right, exactly. from, that, right from the Yeah, and it's 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 got this sweet... I, I don't even know how to begin to explain how it tastes. It's a sweet, nutty, crunchy, uh, amazing taste. And I like to eat it when it's dehydrated, when mm -hmm. it's dried out a little that's bit. That's what oh. I do. Oh, that's another good idea. Yeah. Well, and the prickly pear has a very unique flavor as well. It uh, does. So... A question on the saguaros. That mm -hmm. is sure. the state flower... Uh, yes. I remember a time being in Colorado, Katie picked a bunch of their state Oops. flower, and Nina's like, there's a $500 fine for each of those flowers, go throw them in the desert. <laughs> Can you get fined for picking uh, our state question. flower? It's best to harvest off of private property to be safe. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. That was a good point, Romy. Yeah, don't be just stopping by anywhere and get, get the, getting them. Make sure you have permission from a private property owner. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. And don't, don't use a ladder. That skin that's protecting the saguaro itself, uh, you don't want to be putting any weight against it. Oh, that. right. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. And go out before the sun rises <laughs> or when the sun is setting because looking up, it, it blinds you. It's hot. Mm. It's, it's not an easy fruit to harvest. Prickly pears, on the other hand, are very easy to harvest. They are. And they're amazingly abundant. There is a huge caveat with them, though. Stickers? 
stickers. <laughs> the glockets. The glockets. They're actually not a sticker. It's, what it's are a they? Glocket. They're these. They're like hair. Micro like a sticky little. Hair. So hairy. when you bring them home, do not take them in the house, no matter what. <laughs> Wash them off outside, because you will find them for probably a couple months later. Mm-hmm. You know, in your skin and yeah, yeah. everywhere. No yeah. matter how careful somewhere you are. around the house. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I do uh, that works really well is I freeze them. So I'll bring them home. I have an outdoor mm-hmm. kitchen, so I'll wash them off in the outdoor kitchen, and I put them in gallon jars and freeze them. And interestingly enough, the freezing process gets rid of the glockets. It does. That's my favorite way. Yeah. It really is. Makes it super simple. And then... It uh, liquefies. Mm-hmm. So when it de- defrosts, you just strain it. Yeah. Well, and if you're, you're going to process them and cook it, then they, they cook out as well. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing you can do is you can stick them in a pot when you get them home and mm-hmm. and uh, cook them down and that. We've that... made we've made just like a syrup, mm-hmm. which I think is the easiest thing because they're not real high in pectin, so it's a lot tricky to make. You have to mix them almost like with apple or something. Right. But if you're going to just want to use just a pure prickly pear, the syrup is really great for. You can add it to sparkling water. You can put it over your ice cream. Mm-hmm. It's just it lemonade. Has, yeah. Yes, great lemonade. Mm-hmm. So margaritas. Of course. Carry one jack mine. And so what about um, and what about the green pads? We, we do we decide how to oh. say those? I, you know what? I know absolutely nothing about the green pads. The nopalitas, is right? I, I know nothing. Nopalas. Have you ever harvested? I have, but not for eating. I've used them for first aid. Oh, kind of like a aloe vera kind of way. Yes, mm-hmm. but it, it's even better. So I've used it on dog bite and infection. It's pulled. Um, it, it just it's like a first aid. Uh, bandage. So you cut it open and get the gel, kind of the That's right. mucus out of the inside. I have bought the Nepalis at um, like Food Club has a nice section. Right. And and they've taken all the little what are those hairy things? Glockets. The glockets off. Yeah, little glockets and then off. you just slice them and have them like stir fry. They're right. delicious. Mm-hmm. So I have it in my hand here. It's mm-hmm. called Eat Mesquite and More. Nice. Um, in fact, we are giving away copies of Eat Mesquite and More on our website if you make a donation to the mill. So if you go to growphx.com and the milling page, uh, if you donate $75, we'll give you one of these books. So I just opened it up. It's Desert Harvesters down in Tucson. Mm-hmm. It's their new book. It's a cookbook for the Sonoran Desert. Um, and there's a whole chapter on Nopals. Um, so let's see here. Uh, Eat Mesquite and More. I didn't realize that was a book. I had it here as a talking point from you, but it's also a book from... It, it is. Here's Napolito yeah, Jerky. Uh, yeah. Okay. Barbara Rose from Bean Tree Farm talked about talks about Nopalito Jerky. Uh, there's uh, Desert Tepiary Bean Salad with Nopalitos. Oh, that would be really good. Yeah. Okay, so I'm making my donation today. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. Um, sausage gumbo, Romy. Southwestern vegetarian sausage gumbo. Out of with no palitos. That's cool. So yeah, there's all kinds of that, and then the the uh, chapter previous to it is all about uh, barrel cactus. Oh my gosh, did you know that you could eat barrel cactus? So those are the, the fruit. fruit. That's mm-hmm. the fruit. And yeah. those, those don't seeds? drink the water. Don't drink the water. Is yeah. that is that a misnomer? Is that Out of, a, well, you know. The, yes. Okay. You, they say that you can cut open a barrel cactus and drink it oh. if you're out in the desert. No. For survival? It no. will make you worse. <laughs> oh, really? Don't do that. Oh, it's a, it's, I didn't know that. Hey, I go. saw Nevada Smith do that, but it was an agave. Can you do that with an agave? No. Oh, <laughs> good question. Good so, question. Uh, by the way, I will be teaching a class Tell on, uh, well, harvesting and processing 
uh, prickly pear fruit at Phoenix Public Market. They're having a prickly pear festival on August 31st, and at, from 9 to 10, I'll be teaching a workshop. And where is that? On Central. And uh, Portland, maybe? Right, right in the downtown. heart of town, yeah. Right downtown. I bet Phoenix. I could find it on that Grow Phoenix website. Right. This there is an go. annual event, isn't it? This is their first oh, annual okay. Prickly Pear Festival, and it, it is at the Phoenix Public Market. And there's also a Prickly Pear Festival at Superior, Arizona. Up by Globe. Yes. Uh, up by the Botanical Garden up in that area? That's right. Okay. August 17th, that okay. weekend. They may have a uh, two- or three-day weekend event. And these will be on your Facebook page, The That's Desert right. Kitchen. I'm I'll, going to join that I today, post, too. A, post all of these events. Cool. All right. Now, I'm looking online. That book, Eat Mesquite and More, is a $24 book in paperback on Amazon. What is, is there a donation requirement to the mill for this book? Yeah. So if you go to growphx.com uh, and our milling page there, it will... Uh, um, if you make a donation of $75 to the mill that goes to the public, you know, the public mill piece, then um, we'll send you one of these books. You can pick it up next weekend as well. All right, final segment coming up next. We're going to talk about other things edible in the desert, like tumbleweed. have the PA system on out here. That sounds good while you're harvesting, oh, wouldn't no it? Kidding. Did you notice our foragers have all kind of wandered, wandered now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's 30 or 40 people out here they, foraging. They've gone far and wide looking for their beans. Yeah, mesquite beans. Cool. So real quickly, just uh, taste the bean. Pick it off of the tree first. Um, pick it off of the tree only. Uh, take them home. Dry them. Make sure they snap when you bring them to us. Uh, Peggy mentioned we do not want to wash them. You don't want to wash them because that puts moisture on them and that creates a, creates a problem. That's, that's the aflatoxin yeah. increases when it gets wet. Yes. So high humidity or rain or washing them off would increase that aflatoxin. Then it would contaminate all the, the, the hammer mill and all of the other pods. Yeah, like yeah. If somebody really that really bothers somebody, put it in a sifter and just shake them hard and let all that... You know, if there's any dust, they could right. shake it out. Absolutely. But don't wet it out. Shake don't it. Don't wet it out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what else is there to eat in the desert? I, You know, I know Mark from the Scottsdale Farmer's Market, Mark Lewis. Right. Uh, he says there's thousands of things that we can eat in the desert. There is. And there's a lot right in our own backyard that pop up, all kinds of weeds that you can eat. Purslane right now is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's a little succulent that taste it has a little lemony taste to it nice little crunch you can eat it raw you can saute it i like to throw it into my favorite pickle juice and it is just like eating the pickle it stays nice and crunchy mm. oh, so you so, pickle uh, it is what you're saying oh that's mm-hmm. really cool personally interestingly purslane is a little bit mucilaginogenic so it it's is. a little bit slimy so when you put it in the pickle juice that's acidic mm-hmm. and that kind of uh, uh crunches it up crunches it up it mm-hmm. takes care of the the little bit of uh sliminess in it that's right yeah i, so. I don't believe i see tumbleweed on here what could you possibly do with the tumbleweed uh, you, you know, know my very first uh wild food was tumbleweed pancakes with prickly pear syrup can you believe it no wow that was 30 almost 30 years ago yes uh you can cut the tips trim the tips off of the tumbleweed dry it grind it into flour and use it like you would any, it doesn't have gluten, but you could use it in a, a recipe and use part. Add for flavor, kind of? Yes, and nutrition. 
Palo Verde. Palo Verde, that's definitely uh, the pods right now when they're young. They, you can boil them up in salt water and eat them like edamame. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah, they're really good. And he come take a class, Peggy. <laughs> they're really good, yeah. Watch exactly. them for your Facebook and then page. Ironwood. I've eaten uh, roasted ironwood seeds before. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Just like peanuts. To live so for. good. Yeah. So when, when would you find those on the ironwood? Those are one of my favorite They'll trees. be coming around the 1st of July. Mm-hmm. And what are you picking up? It depends the on the year. Every year is just a little, you have to keep an eye on it. It produces like a little pod or? Mm-hmm. A pod with a bean. Okay. Yeah, and this one you have to separate the pod from the beans. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going for. And you can boil that in salt water as well and open it and eat it. Okay. So, um, you know, I, a black nightshade. You mentioned that to me the other day, Peggy. Yes. What is what is that? Well, it's just a little, um, it's a plant that popped up in my yard and I researched it and found out, you know, it has this negative uh, because it's a nightshade, people right. think, oh my gosh, I can't mm-hmm. eat that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what kind of fruit is on it? Well, it has like little, real tiny little fruit, and it starts off green, and then it ripens. You can only eat it when it's ripe. Right. So it's a real deep purple, kind of a blackish color. And I use them as a substitute for blueberries in, in yogurt. Ooh, not that so they're, they're sweet. sweet. They're not. Oh. But, you know, in my mind... <laughs> So one of the th- really, really important things about uh, wild harvesting like this is it, unless you're 100% sure that what you're about ready to put in your mouth is uh, mm-hmm. is edible, don't do it. I observe. I, my mind was kind of going there. I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. Yeah. I observe uh, for a long time before I try things. And then when I do, I only try one to make sure because not everyone, you know, someone may have a reaction. You just never know. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, just be careful and and have someone help you identify it, you know, confirm. Well, there's, you know, there's this book, Eat Mesquite and More by Desert Harvesters. Uh, Wendy Hodgson did a book. This thing's a, a textbook-sized tome. It's got to be, what, 300 pages? And it's textbook size on edible food of the Sonoran Desert. Wow. Yeah. We'll have to have her on sometime That's a really well good too. book. So, okay. you know, there's there's lots of research you can do out there. Um, but before you put something in your mouth, make sure you know 100% what it is. Okay. Contact well, information. Contact growphx.com. You can find out all about the millings and everything we're up to there. All right. And we'll the, look, desert, uh, the Desert Kitchen Facebook group. We'll look forward to getting an update on the mesquite milling next week. Is, and woo-hoo. what our originally scheduled topic was for this week, water harvesting.